Welcome to the Geek to Geek podcast where PS5s are here this week. I'm Void and I'm here with my co-host Beej. Yeah, uh, today we're talking about PS5s. Uh, I guess this yeah. is officially our PS5 review episode. We don't do f- official reviews very often, but it seems like a week for that. So we both have it. We both had it for uh, not even a week because it came out last Thursday. But what do you think right. Like from a high level before we dive into little things? The high level, I really like it so far. Uh, once I get into the nitty gritty of it, I'm finding a lot more issues to a uh, nitpick. But overall, I've been enjoying having it. It's uh, been worth getting on day one uh, just to experience and kind of see what it is and uh, really get the controller in my hand and play with it because I've noticed a few things uh, that I never noticed with the PS4 in terms of graphics where it's like, oh yeah, this this is much, much better than what the PS4 was. Yeah, I I really like it. Um, I, you know, there's little things. There are always little things with a new console that you nitpick, but these days, like, I just assume that anything if it's not a major an integral part of it, that it's just going to be patched out or fixed later. So like, and all of my things are so minor. Like honestly, my whole time with the console has just been super easy and it's been really good and I've been having fun and I like it. So like from a high level, I'm very happy with my purchase, I think is where I'm landing. Uh, but I'm glad that you've had that, uh, that kind of experience, like the nitpicky stuff makes me wonder if I'm going to stick with it for the long term. But right now I'm glad that I picked it up at launch. Yeah. So, okay, let's get into I kind of divided it up into just a bunch of bullet pointed thoughts that I had. These aren't in any particular order, except that some of the easier stuff to knock out here is is right up top. So loading speeds are fast. Like that's one of the first things that I noticed on the console. Yeah, that was probably the biggest issue that I've had with the PS4 uh, that I've got. Like, I don't have the launch edition, but I don't have a pro either. And uh, it's it's really, really fast compared to the PS4 that I have. The uh, the load times and like Miles Morales versus the original Spider-Man game on PS4. It's night and day. Like, I don't even I haven't even thought about it like every once in a while you'll see uh like a splash screen with miles on it but honestly i honestly honestly a lot i really haven't thought about the loading times and so i guess that means that they're not there yeah basically loading screens just haven't existed since i started playing stuff on ps5 which is crazy but also awesome so yeah loading speeds are fast which i know is widely reported but we will confirm that um graphics are good which again not to be surprised because it's better hardware it's newer hardware um i like it i think it looks really crisp you know it reminds me of other 4k stuff that i've seen but like yeah the graphics are more powerful at a glance just obviously and it's also interesting like in some ways it looks better than some of the high-end pc stuff that's out there right now just because it's specced out as brand new hardware and then Mm -hmm. they are making the game specifically for that hardware you know i know pcs will catch up and surpass it in all sorts of ways because that's how this always works but for right now it's just like yeah this looks amazing like it's great And I don't know about every game, but like I'm thinking about buying a 4K TV for this. Um, Like I haven't cared about getting a 4K TV. I haven't really cared about 4K graphics on anything. But Miles Morales has made me really, really want to get that. And I finally see like the difference 
in 30 frames per second and 60 frames per second. Like I've really honestly, truly, you know, hand in the air swear that I have never noticed a difference on playing a game where people were complaining about it being 30 versus it being 60 or more. And I've never seen the big deal. But with the PS5, you can actually go in on Miles Morales at least and set it to have uh, a 30 frames per second mode called Fidelity that has ray tracing and extra video uh, visual effects uh, that make it a lot more uh, realistic in terms of lighting and shadows and just uh, the visuals. But it runs at 30 frames per second. And then there's one one that basically has the same graphics level as the PS4 version, only, you know, higher res, uh, rendered faster, all of that stuff, but at 60 frames per second. And I didn't really see much of a difference in them at first. And then I spent an afternoon playing in 60 frames per second in the, in the one with the lower graphics mode, uh, technically lower up. I'm using air quotes for that uh, in performance mode. Uh, and it, it uh, after seeing some people talk about it on Twitter and then swapped back to the ray tracing fidelity mode and the like I could see the frame skips in comparison after spending so much time with it like side by side and that has been it made me realize why people are talking about the the frame rate so much because I've honestly never noticed it before and with this I was like oh yeah we're switching back to Jennifer was the same way was like yeah we're switching back to the 60 it just it's better uh and I on unlimited the frame rate on uh neverwinter and some other games and those went super smooth on the ps5 in comparison to what they were on the ps4 so yeah i'm i'm noticing a big difference in the graphics and i didn't honestly think i would notice that much for games like this especially the ps4 games on the console Cool. Yeah, I mean, I think it looks pretty. I think the main thing is just that, like, I'm glad they have those options in there, right? So you can do whatever works for you. And it's, like, not the overwhelming... Not I mean, for you and I, it's not overwhelming to dive into PC settings. But just in general, for most people, if you go look at all of the setting options in PC, it's a lot. Um, yeah. I'm glad that they're, like, pulling over the, that kind of option onto PS5, but simplifying it down to, like, do you want performance or do you want graphics, right? And that makes it a very easy choice. And they also make it easy to flip between the two, which is fantastic. And it's really strange because, like I said, I usually can't notice and go for the the higher quality on graphics. And this time it actually did look worse because of the way that it was moving. And it just it just shocked me because the ray tracing and all of that is really impressive. It, it looks amazing, but uh, it makes me actually think about back a long time ago when they were first announcing the specs that uh, they talked about the PS5 not being able to do uh, 60 frames per second at 4K with all this stuff, but the Xbox Series 1 or Series X being able to. And I was like, oh, who cares about that? Now I'm like, oh, do I care about that? Maybe I, maybe I do. And uh, it's it's just surprised me over the last few days how that's become an, not an issue for me, but a, a point to really think about. Um, the other thing that I noticed like right away is download speeds because they were always brutally slow on PS4 and on mm -hmm. PS5, they are much, much better. You know, I didn't think of, you know, I didn't think about that, 
that was something that it just kind of it was better. Like I went to download a game. I went to actually download Hitman uh, from the PS Plus things that they uh, they had. They let you have all five episodes of it and some extra stuff. And Jennifer was talking about how much she enjoyed the stealth in Spider-Man. So I went to download it and I you're right. It was blazing fast compared to what uh, what the installations were for uh, games like that. When I downloaded them on the PS4 again, it was one of those things I didn't notice, but it was just better. Yeah. So, I mean, I think those are a couple of like the little things out of the way. I'm, the main thing that feels like next gen and like a big upgrade is the controller, honestly. the And dual, I don't see that. Sense. Like, I'm not seeing it as being an improvement at all. So I'm really curious to see what kinds of benefits are coming out of it because it because it feels better. But I'm not actually seeing like any any benefits other than just the way it feels in my hand. I mean, so that's part of it, right? Like, it's slightly bigger. It's slightly, like, it's almost like a quarter step towards, like, an Xbox One controller in terms of, like, mm-hmm. size and, like, heft and weight and stuff, um, which makes it just, it feels better in the hand, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um, I think it feels a lot better than, like, the DualShock 4, which is great. And, and it's got added- a textured back. Like, the DualShock 4 has a smooth back. Uh, on the handles and this one has a slightly textured one where uh, it just like you said it feels better to hold than uh, than the four the dual any of the dual shocks really yeah and they have new buttons which are whatever i mean you know there's a new like create share button there's a new like mic you can mute and unmike and unmute the mic which is built into the controller now that's one of the other which things is- I will say that that is awesome, and I didn't know that was a thing until I actually started playing Fortnite with my 10-year-old nephew, and all of a sudden I heard him through the controller when we partied up, and it was like, what? And uh, so that was, uh, I didn't know that the mic was actually in the controller uh, like it was, so it surprised me, and I will say, because I always thought that was something that DualShock 4 should have had, but didn't. Yeah, and I mean, I think the big improvement stuff that like makes it feel different and new to me is really the haptic feedback and like the resistive triggers. Those are the the things I think they call them adaptive triggers. But yeah, the haptic feedback it feels like like kind of like the HD rumble, but it reminds me more of haptic feedback on your phone mixed with like HD rumble from a Nintendo Switch. So it just it can basically like rumble in different ways and different paces at like any point in the controller where you're holding it and it just gives you a different experience like i love it it's fantastic and i don't know if i've experienced anything but normal shaking with it like it feels just like normal motion not not motion controls but normal uh, uh rumble and and things like that and the feedback like i the only thing i've noticed are what when we talk about the adaptive and resistive triggers but in terms of what you were talking about with the hd rumble like in the joy cons i haven't noticed it any but maybe it's the games i've been playing yeah well okay let's talk about the adaptive triggers too because i feel like that one I'm kind of mixed on. I've seen it used mm-hmm. okay in some places. In other places, I'm like, this is a little annoying. Um, I haven't really made a decision on if I like them or not, but it's an interesting concept, and I could see it being used well. I can see it being used well. I don't think it is right now. Um, right now, I think it's kind of gross because it made me lose a victory royale in Fortnite uh, because of the way that the right trigger does uh, in the game now. Like, it has a... It is completely uh, loose, except for the very bottom of it. When you click at the bottom, it has a smaller trigger area, and it 
feels bad. Like it doesn't feel like anything in the shooter like I, I got used to or any other game I've ever played. So it's like I hope that they do better with it because right now it actually feels worse than the the other way that the triggers were working. Just well, you know, triggers. I mean, you can turn them off too. You can just shut it off in the systems. So you don't have to deal with it if it's really bothering you. But like, I, I think I've turned it down to weak now. Okay. Um, I think it's interesting. And these two go together for me, the haptic feedback and the adaptive triggers, because Astro's Playground is really where you notice them. Have you mm. played that yet? I haven't yet. That was okay. uh, one where I was wondering if where some of this was coming in, because I didn't jump into it yet. I've just been playing the other games. That's where all of this is coming from for me, because okay. you know how when Nintendo releases a console, they release a game with it that shows off literally everything the system can do, like that's new yeah. that they're showcasing. Um, mm-hmm. Sony has never really done that before. That is different this time. That is what Astro's Playroom is. Um, you should absolutely go play Astro's Playroom and then report back on what you think of like the haptic feedback and the resistive triggers, because it it shows all of it like it is a showcase for that controller just absolutely that's what that game is meant to do mm. like i i don't honestly i saw it on there and i knew that it was uh, kind of a packaged game but prepackaged game but i didn't honestly know anything about it so i haven't cared yeah it's like there are i'm trying to even think about what to explain like it does different rumbling when you're in different areas. There's a part where there's a sandstorm and it like you can almost like feel the haptic sandstorm feedback in it. You know, okay. they do all sorts of things with the resistive triggers. Um, there are different suits for Astro that like give him completely different movesets. And there's part of it when he jumps into a new suit that you have to like use the touchpad to like swipe up and like zip zip up the back of the suit for him and it's this little thing but it feels like a zipper like it's just incredible mm. um so yeah i i highly highly recommend that anyone who has a ps4 5 if you haven't done astro's playroom you absolutely should because it's a really good showcase for that trigger yeah i'll, I'll definitely check that out because so far just the the little bits of it it feels like a better controller but not a generational jump like i've been seeing so many articles about and uh, like I was playing Neverwinter and there are some things that you have to do to press the the touchpad and it'll open up certain uh, panels and menus, but it's it's resistive as well. So I would press it. I'd press it too hard. So it would do something else instead of what I wanted it to do, where it's become more of a frustration than an actual feature for me. Well, that's not even a PS5 game, right? No. No, no, no. That one is a PS4 game that I'm playing on there, uh, which is a whole other uh, can of worms because <laughs> Sony's list of games that uh, that are supposed to work on the PS4 or PS5 from the PS4 is way longer than they let out. I OK. Yeah, I haven't run into that, but I also don't go back to replay games a whole lot. So I don't think it's going to be a huge issue for me. But I know that you had one other controller thing, right? Yeah, my controller doesn't hold a charge. That I don't know if it is my controller. I don't know if it's the PS5 and how it deals with rest mode and the issues that are coming from that. But I get maybe an hour and a half out of it, two hours if I'm lucky. And that's with it being plugged in all night. Like I put it in rest mode and plug it in. And uh, it when I pull it out in the morning and try to uh, check it, it has one bar on the battery indicator. Um, and then I play it, play with it. And then it's like console battery is low. You have to plug it in by USB. 
And so then I do that. And this morning I plug it in and leave the console on and I go back in there. That was probably about 830 this morning. And I came to work and then at about three o'clock, I went in there to see if it had charged during the day and uh, it was still at one bar. So I don't know if it's a controller firmware issue. I don't know if I have a dud of a controller. I don't know if it, because I've read about other people having battery issues like this. I don't know what the issue could be here, uh, but it's incredibly frustrating. And when I go to the Sony website to do their, their, uh, whatever, it's a support and fixing tool or something like that, uh, uh, that lets you diagnose and fix things. Uh, it said that, uh, there's no help for that and, uh, that, uh, they're sorry. Basically, I'd posted about it on Twitter and it made me mad. When yeah. uh, their when their support basically said there's nothing we can do, sorry uh, about the 15 hour controller is what I think they said uh, working for an hour and a half. Yeah, that sounds like something wrong with your controller because mine, both of mine, I, I have the one that came with the console and then I bought one separate. Both of mine hold the charge for right around 15 hours. That's what I was okay. going to estimate just based on my playtime with it. Yeah, I mean, that's what they said it should be. And I've seen some people say four hours. I've seen some people say that they're getting about 10 to 12. Uh, but it's for me, and I've seen other people when I looked it up are having the same issue just where it's not charging, where I've been incredibly frustrated because like at, in the evening or uh, or over the weekend, like I'm sitting in front of the TV wired in like it's 1999 again. And I'm really frustrated that a next generation system, I'm basically having to play with a controller plugged in wired. Yeah, I think you got a dud. I think that's got a. I hope that they have some kind of support you can get a hold of eventually because that's I not hope great. so because the uh, basically the written version of the shrug emoji kind of made me bad and once makes me want to sell this thing, honestly. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Um, I guess the other thing is like UI UX. That's probably the other big thing right. to talk about. To me, it feels like a variation on the PS4 theme and UI UX, but generally I'm okay with it outside of a couple things. Do you like it yeah. or are you frustrated by it? It, I like it once I got used to it. It's fine. It's not something that I would have chosen for myself. I like how they they separate out the media and the games finally. I like how you uh, have different tabs where just from the home screen, you can press uh, press R1 or L1 to swap between games and like media streaming apps, because that's what we use for YouTube and uh, all and, you know, Netflix and Hulu. We uh, we got a little frustrated because uh, there's no HBO Max app for it yet. And we've been watching Friends. And so uh, it, it installed Peacock, but not HBO. So that was that was cool. So we actually have to keep the PS4 and uh, like hooked up right now uh, to be able to bounce back and forth between. So it's it's just it's, it's been frustrating in, in that kind of regard. But it's launched. So I understand that. Um, well, it's interesting, the, like how different you just use your console day to day than I do, because like I use mine, like all of my consoles these days are just like only for games. Like I never do any media stuff at all. Yeah, I mean, I've used a console for as our media center since the Xbox 360. The uh, in 2006, well, 2007, because I got it on New Year's. Uh, no, it was New Year's 2006. That's when it was uh, into the early 2006. Like I got it on New Year's Day, January 1st, 2006. Uh, I've used it as a DVD player and everything. And every console that I've had has been the media station that I've used uh 
ever since then. So that's just that's one of the things we use it for. The reason that we got the PS4 when we did, like I got a new job and we were looking to upgrade to a Blu-ray player. Uh, well, that was the PS3, excuse me, that we upgraded to a PS3 uh, because of uh, it having a Blu-ray player in it. And it was better to buy a console than and play games than just buy a straight up Blu-ray player. Um, so, I mean, that's how we use it. And so for it to be missing one of the major apps immediately was just like, well, cool, 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 huh. cool. Interesting. Yeah, I assume they'll patch all of them in because that's usually what happens. Like you said, I'm it's assuming. Launch. Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming yeah. it's a console launch thing like where it's not that's not even a, a system killer or anything. It's just like. Man, that's silly. They have all of the others, including Peacock, let me remind you, the one that no one likes or uses, but not HBO. <laughs> Interesting. Um, do you like the activity cards in the UI? No, I, I want to turn them off and I can't figure out how. They are I, so annoying. I don't I know. I knew if they can. would be and I hate them. Oh, I like them. What do you not like about them? They are garish and in the way, and I just want to find like trophies or something. And instead, I see Fortnite streamers and their videos, and I'm like, I don't care about you. I want to see my friends and my uh, and the trophies and stuff like that. Uh, it's just in the way. So, <laughs> because I, I don't use these networks, I don't use the. Uh, I don't even want to say it's a social network, but I don't use the consoles as their own social network. So to have all of this stuff put out front where it's like, I don't want it and no way to really get away from it. That part is, is aggravating to me where I could at least uh, navigate around it on the PS4. I mean, I don't either. Like I don't use them for their social functions and I don't use it as like a network of friends, even though I do have friends added on there. Like I never actually tap into those that friends list for anything meaningful. Um, I like the part of them in the single player games where it shows you like, here's a bunch of activities you could do and it gives you ideas of what you could be doing in the world. Like Miles Morales is where I was noticing this a lot. You know, if I was in the middle of a main story mission, it gives you an estimate on how much time you have left in that mission. You know, and if you're not in a main mission, it gives you like, here's three or four activities that you could do in the open world. Do you want to go take out this hideout? Do you want to go do like solve a crime or do a side activity? And if you do want to do one of these many activities that it puts in front of you, you hit the square button and you're there instantly and i just love that in an open world game like it completely gets rid of the traversal the headache any startup any like friction between you and an activity that sounds interesting you can just jump right to it and like that's the part of the activity cards that i love i haven't even seen any of the stuff that you're talking about with like streamers and friends and stuff and I haven't seen what you're talking about. Like that's in-game stuff. It's like there's the the Miles Morales app where you pick the uh, the different side missions and stuff. And I haven't seen that on any of the cards or anything like that. It's uh, it's interesting how, like you said, how differently we we use and look at the console. Yeah, I mean, next time you're playing Miles Morales, if you just tap the PS button, like it'll literally pop up with like two or three activity cards that are just like, here's a bunch of things you can do. And if you go to any of the ones that you're not on, it'll like default to whatever you're doing right now to give you an estimate of how much time is left. But if you go like right one or two or three from that, it'll give you options. And if you want to do one of those, you just hit the square button and it instantly jumps you to it. It's really cool. And I don't know how I like that. Like just thinking about it, like... 
having the system itself interact with the game to port you places like i i, I don't know maybe i'm just uh, being old and crotchety at this point but uh, it seems like that that that's that's breaking the the you know how you said that you couldn't stand in the avengers how hulk would open up a loot box and you're like the hulk wouldn't stop to open up a loot box that breaks the game that you know that breaks me my immersion that yeah. breaks immersion for me like being able to open up a menu and hop miles uh an external menu let me say that hop open up an external menu and hop miles to a different place in the city i i think that is that is a line i don't want to cross i guess it just feels like a better and more efficient fast travel to me like you're instantly in the activity and the the thing that i like about it is you can do it when you're in the game but you can do it when you're doing something else like you could be in astro's playroom and you could just like pop out to the menu look at miles morales and be like oh i want to do this activity where i'm going to go hunt for a collectible in miles morales and it will just like start you there you know like it it's so instant like you don't have to load into the game and then do it you can do it from the main ui the main menu of the ps5 so i think that's really cool to just like give me ideas of what else i could be doing you know and see what else is out there in the world and then jump to it instantly i'm i'm a huge fan of it already and you're so much more of an efficiency gamer than i am where you like that kind of thing and for me that makes the game shorter and less enjoyable for me like i like being able to traverse and explore not just moving from one to the other like i don't use fast travel very often and things like that huh interesting um i guess the other thing i will say about like the card ui is that i do feel like they overextended it a little bit um so i completely agree with you that trophies are buried way too deep and also they are not easy to browse like they had a pretty decent it was just like a vertical list and you could see it you know it was they were decently sized i'm talking about ps4 now um and you could scroll through the list really easily you could see what you were missing um filters worked super fast and they still have the sorting they still have the trophies in ps5 but they've taken every trophy and made it its own thing that's the size of an activity card and it just takes up way too much space and because it's like this more square it's not quite square but like square ish like card you can't actually read the description of the uh trophy without going into it and that is driving me nuts already like i just i hate what they've done as much as i like activity cards in general and what they mean for like how i'm using the system for single player games i really dislike what they've done with trophies and I feel like that needs a major overhaul to like, not even major, just like go back a half step towards what it was on PS4 and things would be totally fine. Yeah, right now, just having a list on your screen of like five, well, not even a list, like like these cards showing like four or five things and you have to go inside each one is is very annoying uh to be honest because i liked the list you could go down through them you could sort it you could find what you needed and you could press square if it was hidden and see exactly what you had to do there was it, it was a no fuss kind of thing and this one i'm fussing with to be able to find different stuff yes i completely agree with that and i think that trophies need they need to look at trophies again um and then the other thing that bugged me i'm adjusted to it already but i still think it could be better is rest mode is way too hard to find any of the power options like on the ps4 you just hold the ps button for like 
a second and then it'll pop up and it's one of the main things in that menu um it was always super easy to get to rest mode and now you have to hit it and then you have to i've learned where it is in the menu now but it's like all the way to the right so the fastest way to do it is to bring up the UI and then go to the left, which is just not intuitive because it like wraps around itself. Oh, and it does you... wrap around. Okay. So yeah. I've been going to the right every time the entire way and being like, this is dumb. It is dumb. No, I agree. It's super dumb. Like they should fix that too. So those are the, my two like nits to pick are like what they did to trophies and then what they did with the power options when you want to turn the console off or put it into rest mode. Like those are the two things in the UI that are really bothering me right now. Everything and... else I'm a fan of in general. They have issues with rest mode anyway right now. Like, I've seen a lot of stuff say don't use rest mode and turn it off and all of this, where, like, there are a lot of console bricks that have happened. There are uh, different kind of corruptions uh, that have that have gone on, like, in terms of the storage and having to do. And I've only had one of those happen for me. Like, my console crashed one time in the middle of Miles. I posted a video of this on Twitter where it was this high-pitched scream that made my cat actually start batting at one of the pillows uh, beside her trying to get it to shut off and it was it was sad and funny at the same time but uh, the console restarted said that there was it was resetting the storage uh, all of that I can't remember exactly how it said it but um, and then I went like after that like I've read that there's rest rest mode issues where if you're like playing Miles Morales and put it in rest mode that a lot of people have had it had it brick their systems where they won't turn on anymore and uh like it's it's one of those things where it's it's stuff that should have been worked out early on uh, and it's consistently uh happening the same way to different people and then it also like uh, like you said it's hard to find it, I had to look it up on the internet to figure out how to put it in rest mode. Like we literally didn't see that power button uh, just as you press the, uh, the the PlayStation button, and then you cannot turn off rest mode entirely. That you can turn it off as in terms of it automatically going into rest mode. Uh, but you so like if you ever have it set to where if uh, the console just sits there for a few hours and goes into rest mode, you can turn that off. What you can't turn off is that, and it's a good feature in theory, but I don't like it because of the issues that have been going on and my controller not charging. Like, if the TV shuts off, the PlayStation 5 goes into rest mode uh, instead of just sitting there running idle. Um, If you turn it back on, the PlayStation 5 comes back on, which in theory sounds good, but you know maybe I'm turning on the, the TV for something else and I don't want my PS5 to come on immediately. Or I you know want to shut off the TV and charge my controller and the uh, it goes into rest mode where I just have to leave my TV uh, standing, uh, standing on uh, like I do right now, actually, to see if it'll charge my controller. Where in theory, it's a good feature, but in actual practical day-to-day use, it's more frustrating than, than it's useful. I didn't even know that it did that. That's that's a good call out. That's interesting. I found it by accident because I turned off the TV by accident and then the PlayStation went into rest mode. And I'm like, what? And then I tested it like four times. And sure enough, it's not a it wasn't a bug. It was a thing that it does. So huh, that was like I said, it, it's a good feature in theory. And I appreciate where they were coming from with it. But just using a TV that has multiple things on it, it's not a great idea to have the console boot up every time you turn the TV on. 
Oh, wait, you mean every time? I thought you said only if you left it on when you shot it off. No, no. If you turn the TV on and the PlayStation 5 is, at least this has been for me, whether I manually put it in there or it automatically puts off. If I turn the TV on and I had turned it off while on the input for the PlayStation 5, it boots up the PlayStation 5 automatically. Uh, Oh, okay. Mine doesn't do that at all. But that's that's fascinating. This is where it comes down to like TV setups and stuff, too. Maybe so, because I've had I have it where like I can turn on the switch. Like if I have my TV on, I turn on the switch. My TV will automatically switch, (laughs) switch to the switch input. If I do that with the PS4 or PS5, it doesn't switch to that input. But now it turns on my PS5 when I turn on my television. It's just I'm frustrated with going on with your setup. It feels like because my my switch also does that where like if you're not on the input and you turn it on, it'll go to the input. And my PS5 does that, too. Like, it, it works it? exactly the way that I expected it to. No surprises now, at all. Mine might do that. Like, I haven't been on, like, the Switch input and then uh, changed it to, like, turned on the PS5 from there. I know my PS4 doesn't do that. Like, I okay. have to manually switch to it. Huh. Interesting. Um, I, I guess I had a couple other just, like, thoughts on time with the PS5. One thing is, like I said, Astro's Playroom, it's like a controller showcase. Like, that game is just... It, it's a fine game like the game itself is okay it's a platformer and it's a decent platformer um but it is really a showcase for that controller and you should not overlook it i'm speaking to both bj and also mm-hmm, listeners right. out there who may have just been like eh, i'm not gonna deal with that um you should you should go deal with it because it's good and then uh another thing i noticed as i was poking through menus because i do that kind of thing with new hardware is there are system settings to default invert y and subtitles on which there's a bunch of other things you can do too, but those are the two that every time I start a new game, I have to pause it, go into the options and turn those two things on. And now that you can do it at a system level, it says it will do its best to transfer that over to the game before you even start. So I need to see that work in actuality for a while before I actually trust it, but I'm just glad that that's an option. That makes me happy. Yeah, I mean, I never invert Y except on very rare occasions, but the subtitles is something I pretty much do every time I load up a game is go in and make sure subtitles are turned on. So I can't remember if I set it to default to that, but I found that setting and was like, oh, that's a good idea. It also has first and third person uh, camera settings in there, too, that if there is an option in there, it can default that one at the system level as well. Yep. Yeah, I like all of that. That those are all good improvements that should just be standard going forward on any console, honestly. Yeah. Um and then the last thing that was just kind of a little thing but I liked it a lot is that they have overhauled the PlayStation Store to be built into the system and built into the UI whereas on PlayStation 4, PlayStation 3 and even just the web interface, it's basically like a glorified web page that it's mm-hmm. loading. And on PS4 specifically, it was always extremely slow to load, and it was really hard to search for things and find the right version and find what you're after. Um, On PS5, it's all built in to the system level UI, and I'm sure it's just uploading or downloading like refreshes daily in the background, but it makes for such a better experience. Like the UI is just instant and it's snappy and it's amazing. And like browsing the store is a much more enjoyable experience than it ever was on PS4. Yeah, for the first time, the PlayStation Store isn't laggy, and I was really shocked at that. 
that I click the button, I'm searching it and it doesn't feel like I press a button and then a second later it moves and that it's the search and everything is frustrating and it's not. That for the first time, it's just like, oh yeah, I wonder what these are. And I just click around and play in the PlayStation Store as opposed to finding exactly what I want and then getting out of there and trying to do the rest of it on the web interface. <laughs> yep, nope, I feel exactly the same. Um, so... Now that we're, we've done all the details, I guess, again, from a high level, after four or five days, what are your impressions? Like, where are you landing with it? Eh, I'm kind of meh about it, to be honest. Uh, like, okay. like I said, I'm really glad that I bought it. I'm very glad that I bought this, and I am 100% certain that a lot of the the issues that I'm having with it are, are going to be dealt with with firmware updates, system software updates, all of that. Um, but I am considering, based on having such a kind of bad experience on a number of different uh, nitpicky levels with it, with the controller and the, the rest mode and the crashing, um, I'm considering selling it after we beat Miles um, and buying an Xbox Series X. Uh, those have had their issues, but not nearly as much. And part of the reason also is that it does uh, 60 frames per second at uh, 4K. Um, and when we buy a new TV, I'm like, if I, I'm, you know, not going to be playing a whole lot of the exclusives after Miles. Uh, not a lot of them looked, you know, super amazing to me outside of a few of them. Yes. Uh, but I'm like, maybe, maybe I do want to get the Xbox like I thought I did. And, uh, Austin's like he's having so many more issues than I am. He can't even connect to the internet on his. Like his Wi-Fi won't connect. He's been fighting with it all day long, and he got his in today where I shipped it to him, and uh, he can't connect to the internet. Like right as you and I were getting on to record this, he uh, he was talking about how uh, he's tried over and over and over again. Nothing will work to get it connect to the wireless, and he doesn't have the option of run doing it uh, with Cat Five. So it's just one of the another one of those things where like he's either gonna have to sell it to somebody and say hey maybe this will connect to your uh maybe this will connect to your your internet maybe it won't or return it uh to walmart and just get his money back because it is actually unusable right now huh i feel like you guys have had way more technical issues than me i just i have to like knock on wood or something because i haven't had any my experience has been seamless basically and that's the way every other console launch and console that I have has been. Like it took, I got the the Xbox uh, 360 in, on at release on on New Year's Day in 2006. Never had a red ring until like 2013. Uh, the you know great issues I've I don't have you know knock on wood I don't have I don't have any Joy-Con drift. I've never had the major issues that other people have had with a lot of these consoles, but this time I my luck ran out on the PS5 and I think Austin's did too where this one is uh just frustrating enough that it might not be worth sticking out. Huh. Well, okay, I'll end on a happier note then because I I love it. Like this feels like a huge upgrade to me. Um I've had a fantastic time with it. I completely am happy with my purchase and I'm glad that I got it on day 1. Like I have nothing but uh, outside of those couple nits to pick with like trophies and, you know, some UI stuff. I have like no complaints about this system. Um it honestly feels like a huge upgrade from my original base model PS4, which is what I've been using like since the first year that that system existed. 
I'm not sure if I would feel the same way if I was upgrading from a PS4 Pro because that's so right. much newer and faster and more powerful. Um, but from a, a base model PS4 like I was using, it absolutely feels like a huge upgrade. And and I mean, I'm going to say something, but I mean it in the best way possible. It almost reminds me of a phone upgrade when you wait slightly too long to like upgrade your phone which is usually what I do, right? Like I'll wait like four years between phone upgrades. I'm not one of those people that goes out once a year or even every other year to get a new phone, which I know a lot of people are that these days. Um, But when you wait that extra like year or two, you know, you get to like year four of a phone and it just starts to feel you're fine with it. You've adapted to it. It's it's you don't even notice anything that's like wrong necessarily. But when you do upgrade, the new phone just feels faster and more responsive and sharper and it's like it's these little just interface things that you do every single day with how fast and responsive it is that make it feel like a top-notch top-tier like highly polished and responsive system um that's how i feel when i'm using the ps5 because i'm so used to the ps4 which in hindsight i'm like oh wow that was laggy oh that did load slow you know it's all of these things that i just adjusted to but now i have this and it's all instant and it's quick and it's responsive and i just i love it and I think one reason that I don't feel like that, like I feel more like a a single year upgrade between the phones, because like even though, you know, you're you're right overall, it absolutely is. But I don't do digital purchases as much. So like I'm not using the PlayStation store very much. Like I go in on a once every blue moon when there's a sale or something that I haven't gone into my on the browser and seen uh, like I very rarely do anything on using the interface other than putting in a game installing a game from my library or watching one of the uh, the media apps and so outside of those you well I mean using those it's quick enough i haven't even thought about it even right now going back and forth like to use hbo haven't had any issues um and uh so i think it's because of how many more games you use and install and do the stuff on there than i do uh that may be just the slight difference in how we perceive it but it absolutely is an upgrade like don't let me yeah. me saying that uh it is like even if you're going from an 11 an iPhone 11 to an iPhone 12 it is absolutely an upgrade that you're going to see and this one is um I'm I'm glad I got it on day 1 I would be feeling a lot of FOMO if I didn't even to, with the crashes and things like that Cool uh so that's kind of where we land on the PS5 there's our there's our review um Outside of that, don't forget, we are part of a network. We have podcasts, we have streamers, we have the Geekery blog, all that and more at geekgeekmedia.com or go to geekgeekmedia.com slash subscribe to get it sent right to you. And we also have a digital magazine called Press Start. What is the latest with that? Uh, we are working on the holiday memories issue right now. Uh, we might be doing kind of a bi-monthly issue, a bigger one uh, that comes out in uh early to mid-December for both of them uh, because, you know, the holiday season. Uh, we're, we're working on that. We don't know quite yet um, on that if we're going to get it out before Thanksgiving or, you know, mid-December with extra stuff for everything. Uh, but you can check out what we've got there and read all the back issues and read about memories of Mario and uh, spooky games for cowards, all sorts of fun stuff like that. Remakes and remasters, all of our past issues at patreon.com slash geek to geek cast. And with that, it brings us to Weekly Geekery, where we share what we've been geeking out about this week. Kind of short this week, but we will play catch up in a week or two. Um, 
the only real thing for me was like Astro's Playroom that I didn't talk about. I have some other stuff, but I'm going to save them because we have a we have a geekery catch up episode right before the end of the year. So I'll just hold on to a bunch of mine for that. But Astro's Playroom, like I am so surprised by how much fun I've had that with that game and how well it shows off the like controller. And I just want to like applaud Sony for doing that because it feels like this thing that every every console manufacturer should do with their new console is like make a game that shows it off but not everyone does and sony finally did it and i'm just like i'm so happy with what that game is and i think it totally accomplishes what it sets out to do it's not supposed to be a be all end all super expansive game but it's supposed to be a fun it's supposed to be light and show off all the features and it absolutely does that so yeah i just have to brag on astro's playroom a little bit more so that's kind of <laughs> that's my only geekery for this week then have you beaten it no, no, but I keep picking away at it. I keep going back and I'll play like 15 minutes here or there. Like it's a perfect just palate cleanser of a game. Okay, cool. Because that's what I was wondering if it was a very quick like two or three level game that it's like, oh, here's the demo basically of the system. Or if it was a game where, you know, you can get in and play and it's a full experience rather than just being a few uh, like a, like the Snipper Clips demo or something like that from the Switch when it came out. I think if you sat down and just kind of mainlined it, it's probably four hours worth of game maybe something like that maybe four or five but like yeah it's not super intense it's not super like light nothing there either it's it's a really good like middle ground balance yeah that's that's what i would have expected okay cool yeah how about you um today i got in a new D &D book uh i figure that everybody who does tabletop rpgs is talking about it so I, i figure i will as well uh the tasha's cauldron of everything source book came out today and uh, I know a lot of people who are playing D&D and stuff like that are really excited about it because it has new sub races or uh, subclasses for everybody. It added all of the base classes, uh, at least two new entries where you have things like Twilight Cleric, which is really, really cool. Like you'll have a cleric who has a dome of Twilight energy around them that grants everyone who's in it a uh, an extra some temporary hit points and uh, advantage on saving throws or something like that. Like it's just neat features of classes like that and a bunch of new spells and monsters. Um, I'm actually running a character now in Austin's Icewind Dale campaign uh, with a, a feat that was it was originally a beta playtest thing, but it made it into the book on uh, being able to basically get the sorcerer a mini ability like the sorcerers to be able to manipulate magic spells and enhance them a little bit. Uh, so I'm excited about it to play around with it. Uh, they also uh, put in a couple of new rules that like whenever you dig in and get to play, I think that uh, there's going to be some neat stuff in there for you where they have officially put in sidekicks as a mechanic now. Uh, it came as part of the essential set, but uh, so that you could play with two people, which are basically uh, side NPCs that have their own behavior and personalities and uh, stat cards where you can play them as the GM or play them kind of as a second mini character as a player. And they've expanded it from what it was in the essentials kit and then 
put it in the the cauldron of everything uh, fully expanded, which is is great that they've done that. And they also have something called group patrons, which is basically like a way to have your entire adventure party have a tied background or a tied uh, actually a patron, someone who, uh, whose patronage you're you're getting. Like uh, maybe you all go to the same magic academy, so you all have these benefits and also these uh, kind of goals to work towards that kind of thing which is something that hasn't really been done in uh, D&D, at least, that I know of. Uh, maybe other uh, tabletop RPGs have. But the idea of these group patrons, like you may run across an archdemon who wants to uh, hire your party for something, but now instead of being a being a single, like in you know, a warlock patron or something, that you have to figure out how it would work as a group, there are big rules for just uh, how to handle these really huge like sprawling campaigns and backgrounds and uh, ways to tie your party together even if they're a party of misfits like they've got some really cool stuff in this and I haven't seen a source book that covers this much stuff in a long time because it hits on uh, stuff for players, DMs, and everything in between, like new mechanics, everything. Like it is impressive what this book has done. So I'm excited to actually be able to play it and uh, see what cool stuff's in it. Cool. That's awesome. No, that sounds like a really, really fun book and like a good resource too. I always love when they're a good resource and not just a straightforward what you would expect type of thing. Yeah, it's not just a book like the Volo's uh, Guide to Monsters is it's got monsters in it. It tells you about these races right. and monsters where this one, like when I sat down, when I saw what it was, the reason I pre-ordered it is because I saw how it broke all of this stuff down. I'm like, Oh, this isn't a, a supplemental book. Like this is a rule book. Like this is one of the source books now. So I'm excited to actually sit and read through a lot of it. I read some of it before we recorded, but that was just me glancing through every section of it too. Like I haven't read how a lot of this stuff works yet like it it does look really cool and i think amazon has it for like 30 bucks right now instead of the 50 it retails for sweet i'm excited to hear more about that from you when you actually like get it into practice and we'll see how it goes yeah it'll be uh, cool yeah that's probably it for this week you guys can write to us with comments suggestions or feedback our email address is geek to geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on twitter at geek to geekcast we also have great discussions on Slack and Discord. You can go to geek2geekmedia.com for the invite links. And while you're there, make sure to check out all of the other content on the network, like blogs and video game reviews and our digital magazine, Press Start. I blog at agreenmushroom.com, and you can find me at GRN Mushroom. That's Green Mushroom without the E's on Twitter. I'm also on the Disney Forever podcast, where we watch and react to a different Disney movie every week. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beege. That's Beege with two E's. And I also co-host the Dragon Quest FM podcast, a show about the Square Enix RPG series. We've been Void and Beege with your geek to geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Bye, y'all. When toxic culture has you down. When you're just looking to laugh and have fun. Kick back and enjoy watching a video game. Or just make some new friends. It's time to visit the geek to geek Media Network. A community of podcasters, streamers, and bloggers. Well, more of a family than a community. All dedicated to geeking out about the things we love. Things like... Video games. Star Wars. Beep, 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 beep. 
Comics. Movies. K-pop. Disney Plus. Keanu. Keanu Reeves. New. Or whatever our community decides is the next best thing. That's right. We have a great online community on Slack and Discord where we chat about our weekly geekery with listeners and viewers. And each other. Yep, and each other in real time. And we can't wait for you to join us. So come check us out at geek2geekmedia.com. And escape toxic fandom for something much more... Keanu? Yes, Keanu. 